welcome to the Encounter Mercy Podcast. I'm Vince Dragone, and I have with me, as always, Father Andy Boyd. How's it going, Father? Pretty good in you, Vince. Hey, I'm hanging in there. So uh, we have a little bit of a different episode this week than we normally do. Um, and this one is uh, on a study released by, uh, I believe it's the the State of Theology. I don't know if it's the State of Theology Institute. I probably should have done my homework. Uh, but if it's on, if you go to the the stateoftheology.com, and we'll we'll leave everything in the notes in case you want to follow along with us. Um, there was a study done that I guess they're going to plan on doing every two years. They did one in 2018 in the UK, but I think this is the first one they've done in the United States. And it's kind of uh, they ask they ask 35 questions, and they're all related to Christianity of some kind. Now, this is a Protestant organization. This isn't a Catholic organization. So some of the questions may sound a little weird. And some of the the answers when you hit your true true or false uh, uh, answer to get the quote unquote correct answer uh, may be a little bit more, um, uh, may may not uh, go completely in line with the Catholic faith. But we can narrow the... the filters down to just looking at the Catholic respondents. And I think it's pretty cool. So uh, in this uh, podcast, what you can do is either you can go to the state of theology.com or you can watch the video that we're um, uh, releasing with this on our YouTube channel and uh, hopefully our Facebook page that you can actually follow along and listen to us talk throughout it as well. But if you'd like to mess around with any of the data, um, all you have to do is go to the state of theology.com. So once you're on the main site, um, in case anyone wants to follow along with us, um, you go to the, the top right hand um, part of the screen and you hit uh, data explorer. And that'll open up all the data and all the questions that they asked. And then if you go all the way onto the left under the filters, we can come down to affiliation and open that up. And then we'll click on Roman Catholic. So everything in orange is just, it, this is everybody. And then the darker, uh, I believe that's blue or a dark gray color um, down at the bottom of each bar on these graphs are the Catholic respondents. Um, so now, and it does warn you when you click on that, that out of, they, they asked these questions to 3,002 people, or at least 3,002 people responded. Of those, only 624 were Catholic. So, you know, we got to take that into account too. And I don't, I'm not exactly sure, um, you know, if there was a geographical region, well, actually you can, we can, you can filter all that down. So if you want to do that on your own time, you can, we're just going to go through the questions, uh, as all for all of the Roman Catholic answers and just kind of talk about them. So, uh, what do you say, father, you got yours opened up? I do. Okay. So, um, I'll read each question and then why don't you give a little bit of, uh, um, Let's give your opinion, because everyone wants to hear your opinion, Father. So, Oh, yeah, I'm sure they do. <laughs> so let's talk about this. So the first question, uh, or the first statement, and you basically have to uh, answer strongly disagree, somewhat disagree, not sure, somewhat agree, or strongly agree for all of these. Uh, so the first statement is, God is a perfect being and cannot make a mistake. So before I let father answer, let's talk about uh, the answers here that were, that were given. So uh, 49% of Catholics strongly agree with that statement, that God is perfect, cannot make a mistake. 23% somewhat agree. 
9% are not sure, 11% somewhat disagree, and 8% strongly disagree. What do you think there, Father? What do you think the uh, the right answer is? Well, I mean, it's obvious. And I know I might sound uh, dismissive on this, but God is a perfect being. We, we know that. This is not something that is up for debate. God is perfect. 100% God is perfect. Um, God does not make mistakes. If he made mistakes, then why in the world would he waste his time with us? So, um, yes, God is perfect all the time. There is no way that he made a mistake and his will is perfect. Now, with that being said, there is so many clarifying questions that I can already imagine people are going to say, well, why is there pain and suffering in the world? And, and that's, that is a whole nother topic for another day. But the point is, is that God is perfect. He does not make mistakes. He is permissive in his will because he gave us a totally free will. And we talked about that last week in our episode on angels and demons and understanding the difference between a human will and an and angel's will. And, um, you know, we have a perfectly free will. And so uh, with that being said, God is perfect, 100% perfect, and he does not make mistakes. That is true, strongly true. All right, let's move on to the, the second statement. There is one true God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we have 60% of Catholics strongly agree with that statement, 24% somewhat agree, 8% not sure, 5% somewhat disagree, and 3% strongly disagree. I'm really not sure who those 3% are, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. This is where catechesis is extremely important. Yeah, you know, this is this is really uh, a very sad, sad thing to read because it obviously means that we're doing poorly on the whole purpose of this episode of catechesis, really, um, of explaining to people that this is a the theological statement of truth, um, that there is only one God, right? And, and I, I hearken back to my memory of my trip to Israel the first time. And when I went up to the Western Wall, I ran into a Jewish person and he became very, very irate. And um, he's Hasidic Jew. So, that, you know, he's very strict in his observance of the Jewish faith. And he looked at me, he says, there is one God, not three, one, not three. And I kept saying, yes, I agree. I agree. Um, because we do not believe in three gods and we do not believe that the other two parts of God are not God. Um, that there is uh, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, and how that plays out is a mystery. And that's why we call it a mystery. You know, we're not going to know here on this earth or understand here on this earth what that all means. But what it does say to us is that there is um, a mystery that we must learn. And, and the it, Father is trying to show that to us. And Father, this is... This is being that it's a mystery, it is hard to understand. And so what happens to a lot of us whenever we don't understand something, we just want to give up on it, right? Yeah. So the way I kind of describe this, and it's still it doesn't bring you to the to perfect understanding of it, but it at least kind of gets you to, okay, I can sort of feel this out and think about it a little bit more. Well, let's take, for example, this beer that I have. Uh, this is a uh, Breckenridge Brewing Christmas ale. Yes, I'm drinking Christmas ales before Thanksgiving. Don't judge me. Um it has one being. It's a bottle of beer. It has zero persons, right? There's, there's no persons here. 
Now, right. let's take, for Sorry, example, I'm drinking my beer. That, hey, that's fine. One being zero persons. And we can put that for all inanimate objects. Yeah. I mean, even animals for the most part. Um, but let's, okay, let's talk about you, Father. You're one being in one person, correct? Correct. So we've gone from one being, zero persons, to one being, one person. Now we move to God is one being with three persons. And so, yeah, I get it. It's a little bit harder to say, okay, how are there three persons? You know, does he have multiple personality disorder? No, that's, that's not how that is. But at least to get you thinking along the lines of beings and persons, we got to separate those things. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on. That's a, that's a huge topic for another day. And we covered it. We did talk about the Trinity. So you know, at one point in time, we did talk about the Trinity. So go back and check it out. I don't remember when, but I know we did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Statement number three. God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. So uh, out of the Catholic uh, respondents, uh, 56% of that uh, strongly agree. 26% 26% somewhat agree, 8% not sure, 6% somewhat disagree, and 4% uh, strongly disagree. What do you think about that, Vince? Because I'm, I'm going to let you answer first. Okay. Um, so God accepting the worship of all religions, including Judaism and, and Islam, or say Buddhism, whatever it may be. Uh, I'm going to disagree with this one. Now, I there is a, you know, I, I believe that God's still, um, he, he loves everybody. And we don't know what's going to happen whenever we die. And that's, that's a mystery that we're just, we don't understand, at least uh, here and now. Um, but God sent his son to die for us, uh, for our sins. And so this is what we worship. So no, God does not accept the worship of say Islam or Buddhism or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's just thing we have to remember is that, um, there is only one true faith and that is Catholicism. And yes, I do mean that a hundred percent. And I do believe that 100% there is only one true faith and the faith is that in Jesus Christ. And so, um, you know, that is very controversial because how, how can you say that the Muslims are not worshiping the true God? Well, they're not like, they're not worshiping Jesus Christ. And we know that we know that they're not worshiping Jesus Christ. And in fact, what do they say to us? Death to the infidel, you and me, we're infidels because we don't believe in their understanding of God. Automatically that puts us on opposing sides. We are not worshiping the same God because the God that they're worshiping is one that um, permits murder, right? And so we don't permit that because we don't say it's good to kill those who you disagree with. Because if that was the case, you know, there'd be a lot more murdering going on. And that's exactly what Islam says. Now, with Judaism, we recognize them as our forefathers in faith. They are not worshiping um, in the same way as us. Are we saying that their worship is less than ours? Well, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. But we have to understand that it's, it is different. And so with it being different, um, we also have to understand that ours is the completion of 
it. Remember what Christ said. There will be no more need for a bloody sacrifice because the unbloody sacrifice of the altar takes the place of it. They don't have the unbloody sacrifice of the altar because the unbloody sacrifice of the altar only exists for, who guessed it, Catholics. All right, very good. We got to move on because we can't spend too much time or otherwise we'll be here for six hours. Yes. All right, statement number four, God created male and female. Uh, out of the Catholic respondents, uh, 70% strongly agree with that statement, 19% somewhat agree, 4% are not sure, 4% somewhat disagree, and 3% strongly disagree. So for the most part, um, I think a majority of, well, obviously uh, from this, a majority of Catholics uh, believe that God created male and female. Um I don't know if there's really a whole lot really to say on that aside from I'm not really sure about the not sure people. There's always the not sures and I never understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Statement number five. Biblical accounts of the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus are completely accurate. This event actually occurred. So 44% strongly agree. 31% uh, somewhat agree. 12% not sure. 9% somewhat disagree. And 4% strongly disagree. Thoughts? It's not wrong. This is this statement is true. Biblical accounts of physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ are completely accurate. And um, you know, I remember um, <clears throat> someone in seminary, a, a someone, a, a, I won't say who, but someone in seminary said the statement of, "Well, if they were to find the body of Jesus Christ tomorrow, it wouldn't shake my faith." Well, I'm sorry, it would completely destroy mine because mine is based on the fact that Christ died and he rose from the dead, promising bodily resurrection to all believers. Right. Otherwise, and, the hell with all this, you, you know, know? It, it's going to happen. You know, that's what scripture says. That's what God promised us. God fulfills all of his promises. So I don't think there's any argument there. All right, let's move on. Statement number six. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. All right, now this is where I get a little concerned. Okay, um, 42% strongly agree, 24% somewhat agree, 13% not sure, 9% somewhat disagree, and 12% strongly disagree. What are your thoughts on this, Father? Oh, well, it's not my thoughts. It's what the church teaches. Jesus Christ was not created. And as we say it every Sunday in our um, profession of faith, he was begotten by the Father. Yes. Not born, not or not. Excuse me, not born, um, not created. He was begotten of the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Begotten, not made. Consubstantial. Consubstantial. I mean, these are important words. It's not like something that we just throw away. Yeah, we had a whole um, council on this, and this is Arianism, basically. Um, yes. And, and, and to see the majority of respondents agree with the statement that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God is slightly concerning. Well, not just slightly concerning. It's very concerning because the church has fought long and hard for almost 2,000 years on um, trying to put down heresies like this. This is a heresy. Yeah. And yet, um, at least of the 624 Catholics that responded to this, a majority of them... Um, agree with this heresy and it's um i don't know if it's they just don't under well this comes down to this comes down to poor catechesis i believe i don't think there's yes. anybody out there that came to their own conclusion that uh 
you know, out of thinking about it philosophically or whatever it is, um, that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. But I think it's something that they just misunderstand. Yeah. Yeah. Begotten, not made consubstantial with the father through him, all things were made, you know? So we say that every Sunday in our creed and it's rather important that we pay attention to that. Yes. All right. Moving on. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Okay. We, we already went over this. Yeah, we yeah, we did. Yeah, in another way, in another, in another question, we did. But to look at the answers here, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. 30% strongly agree with this statement. 27% somewhat agree with this statement. 9% not sure. 12% somewhat disagree. And 22 strongly disagree. Again, I am extremely concerned. Me too. I mean, our whole faith is based on the fact that he is God. And and it's not, I, I just, I don't have any words for it. You can tell I'm just flabbergasted because uh, how many other ways can I say that Jesus is God? Right. I, I, exactly. And I, I, I don't know what this really comes down to. If this is people just listening to society, secular society telling them that, yeah, Jesus was just a, he was like Buddha, you know, he was just a, he was just a teacher. Um, and religion really isn't all that real, but it's, Hey, it's good to follow these teachings because yeah, it makes you a good person. Uh, I don't know if it has something to do with that. If it has something to do with the, um, you know, the teachers in CCD, whatever it is. I mean, like it, when I went to CCD, cause I wasn't in Catholic school, I was in public school. So you know, I went and the, the teachers there were, they were, they were good people who had, who, who had an interest in trying to, to help us. Unfortunately, I found that they're just what they just didn't have the knowledge, I think to teach, but I don't yeah. know what else, what other teachers would have filled that role that did. Um, you know, I just, I just, I don't think there, there was that. And so th- this is just. The bl- it's the blind leading the blind, I think. And so yeah. we need to have a greater conversation around how do we properly catechize people in the faith? And that's a question I think we're going to be asking ourselves forever. And, and and it has to change with society the way it changes, the way society changes too, to be able to combat some of these things. So I, I yeah. don't know. I, I, I Again, like you said, I have, really have no words for this other than I'm extremely upset with it. All right. Moving on, statement number eight, the Holy Spirit is a force, but is not a personal being. 41% strongly agree, 31% somewhat agree, 11% not sure, 7% disagree, and 10% strongly disagree. Um, thoughts on that one, Father? The Holy Spirit always can seem like a bit of a um, confusing entity because of the fact that but see, that's just it too. It's like, I was going to say it can be confusing because it doesn't have a physical body, but neither does the father. But right. how, what is a spirit? You know, we, we don't have any understanding of a spirit because we automatically equate spirits to ghosts who maybe once had a body, but it, it's the Holy spirit is a personal being insofar as the Holy spirit is God. And God is a personal being because God has personhood who has shared that with us. All right. So these are all very philosophical arguments and philosophical thought processes. But the point is that 
the Holy Spirit is truly a personal being that wants to have a relationship with us, just like the Father and the Son. Because, and once again, confusing, but it's true, God wants to have a relationship with us. That doesn't mean just God the Father. It means God the Son and God the Spirit. It means all of God wants to have a relationship with all of us, not just a portion of us. So um, we, we this statement is false. And note the way it's worded, because it says... The Holy Spirit is a force, but is not a personal being. That is false. All right, moving on. Statement number nine. The Holy Spirit gives a spiritual new birth or new life before a person has faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, Father, I think we kind of discussed this before the episode. This one's kind of slightly misleading, and I think it's more of a, you can tell they're setting it up as a, as a Protestant question here. But let's talk about it anyway. 34% strongly agree, 34% somewhat agree, 17% not sure, 10% somewhat disagree, and 5% strongly disagree. All right, so if you're following along at home and are listening as we go through this or watching as we click on it, uh, Vince, I want you to click on the true or false question mark underneath for those on the video. Yeah, sure thing. It's up. Because it says here something important. It says, Jesus told Nicodemus that a person must be born again before he can see or enter the kingdom of God. And then they have a link for John chapter three, verses three through five. Now I have a problem with this. And first off, it's the wrong version of scripture for us as Catholics, but three, three through five says thus, let me find it. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is older? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That sounds like baptism well, to me. Well, exactly. Exactly. You know, they want to just cut out the first part of that phrase, but it's you can't because it's of water and the spirit. There's it's not water or or it's not water then. No, no, it's water and. And so it's important that we understand that in baptism, what does the priest do? I, uh, I, the priest or the deacon or in, a, uh, in emergency cases, any person not baptized even, can baptize. As long as you say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, pouring water on the head, in of the Son, pouring water on the head, and of the Holy Spirit, pouring water on the head. That sounds to me a lot like being born again, as Christ says, being born of the Spirit through water, okay? And so it's water and the Holy Spirit. It's not one or the other. It's not sometimes one and always the other. It's both and. Yeah, so again, this, this question is somewhat misleading. And you hear this a lot from Protestant circles. Hey, where, have you, are you saved? Were you born again? Um, and yeah, I, th I think that kind of just falls in line with this. But. And the answer to them is if you're ever asked is yes, at my baptism. Well, did you know, were you conscious of your baptism? No, it doesn't matter. My salvation was given to me by Jesus Christ upon the cross and by his commandment of go therefore and baptize all people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit by being born again. How do you, are you born again through water and the spirit? Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Statement number 10. The Holy Spirit can tell me to do something which is forbidden in the Bible. 13% uh, strongly agree. 15% somewhat agree. I 
don't understand. Uh, 16%, again, not sure. These people are just not, are not sure of anything. And then on the disagree side, we have 16% somewhat disagree and 40% strongly disagree. Uh, I'm, I'm at least happy that the majority here um, disagree with the statement that the Holy Spirit can tell me to do something that is forbidden. Yeah, I mean, we, we know that's that's absolutely false. Um, as it says in the um, understanding of it, which this time it actually is kind of accurate. God is a God. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And so um, that's rather important because God is not going to tell you one thing. See, that, again, heresy. Heresies are popping up all over the place. Um, if we say that because we are a special people, God has given us a secret you know, understanding, oh, yeah, the scripture says for most people this, but because we're we're the chosen ones, we get to do something different. No, 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 no. That's that's false. It is the same always and forever. God is the same always and forever. He doesn't change. And so God is not going to tell us to do something that is against himself. And so therefore, no, the uh, the Holy Spirit does not and cannot tell us to do something which is forbidden by the Bible. All right, moving on. Statement 11. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. 32% strongly agree. 45% somewhat agree. 5% not sure. 12% somewhat disagree. And 6% strongly disagree. You know, when we went through this beforehand, um, I posed the question to you of like, well, where do you stand on this? And you said, well... No, people are not good by nature, and that, and I I disagree with that one hundred percent. I disagree with that, and I I think the church would as well because we are good by nature because our nature comes first, and when we were made, God made us, and He said we were good, right? He He made us, and He made us good. He didn't make us bad. He doesn't make evil things. God cannot create evil. Evil comes forth from the absence of God. And so in the absence of God, evil comes forth. God doesn't create the absence of himself. I know philosophical, theological argumentation is very confusing. But the point is, is that he made you and me. He made us good. He didn't make us trash. He didn't make us bad or evil. He made us good. And so with making us good, we are good by nature. We all sin. I don't know a single person on this earth that doesn't sin. The only two that we know that walk this earth that did not sin are Jesus Christ himself and Mary. And otherwise, we have all sinned at some point and need his salvation. But that doesn't mean that we are evil by nature. No, no, no. We are good by nature. And, uh, you know, if we look at it, you know, like you said, Vince, is that um, children, you have to train a child. You have to teach a child. You have to... Um, teach a conscience what is right and what is wrong. But deep down inside, the human being knows what is right and what is wrong. If you ask a child, even if they have never been taught anything about it, is murder good? Killing another person good? They'll tell you absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so, no, deep down inside, human nature is good. It's the nurturing part that destroys it. All right, let's move on. 
Statement number 12. Oh, and, and by the way, uh, we are kind of going through these pretty quickly just to be able, so we can cover them all. But if there are any that you want us to go in um, any uh, deeper conversations on, we can totally make an episode just based around that topic. So uh, feel free to reach out to us if you would like us to opine on any of these uh, a little bit deeper. So statement number 12, even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation. Uh, we have 8% strongly agree, 17% somewhat agree, 8% not sure, 12% somewhat disagree, and 55% strongly disagree. So, so oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, you go, 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 go. Well, um, you know, I look at this and I, I think um, what, we have venial sin and we have mortal sin. And yeah. so th- this is where I kind of get a little tripped up on this question. Um you know, is a venial sin going to send you to hell? No. Is a mortal sin that you're not repenting of? Yeah, it can. We don't, it can. Um, and when it comes to mortal sin, God doesn't really have a, um, um, a weighted scale, I guess. I don't think on, on which sin is worse than the others. Maybe you can talk a little bit deeper on that with me. Um, but at the same time, no, I don't think even the smallest sin, like a lie, a white lie or something like that deserves eternal damnation. What do you think, Father? Well, and that's the thing is that, um, when we're looking at this question, we have to look at it for what they are claiming, um, here. And it's, it's saying, well, actually clicking on it, this is, this kind of blows my mind. Um, because if you click on it, true or false, um, it says, true, God does not grade on a curve, but demands that we be perfect as our Heavenly Father's perfect. That's true. You know, that that is a true statement there. God does not grade on a bell curve, but demands that we are perfect, be perfect as our Heavenly Father's perfect. So let's think about this and understand this, because my homily this past weekend, or maybe the weekend before anyway, was all about this. And I know this is going to take some of our time up, but I think this is important to understand. We are called to be perfect. The only way we can get into heaven is if we are perfect. That means 100% we have to be perfect. And so therefore, if we are not perfect, we have to become perfect. Now, this is where the Catholic Church has that backup plan. Purgatory. Yeah. And we always seem to forget about purgatory or we want to we ignore it or say that the church got rid of it. We do not die and immediately become all saints in heaven. We also don't become angels or little birds flying off into the distance, but that's another topic for another day. Um, But we do not automatically all become saints. Some might, especially martyrs might, but that's not up for us to decide. But the other point is, is that do we automatically, because I made one stupid mistake, whether it was conscious or unconscious or I deliberately decided to do it or did it out of fear or whatever it might be. Does that automatically mean that we're, we should go straight to hell? Oh, I hope no. (laughs) You know, I hope not either, but there is that backup plan. You know, that's why we have confession. That's why we should make ourselves avail ourselves of the sacrament of reconciliation. And so, um, if you don't have the sacrament of reconciliation, like these Protestant churches, how are you making yourself, good with God because Jesus Christ didn't say to everybody, Oh, you know, just say good words, make yourself happy. And obviously your sins are forgiven. No, no, no. He says to the apostles, whatever sins you bind are bound and whatever you loose are loosed, you know, whatever you bind in heaven is bound, you know, bind on earth is bound on heaven. Uh, loose on earth is loose in heaven. So the point is, is that 
um, God didn't say that to every person. No, no, he said that to the apostles who then ordained the rest of the priests. And so that's how we have that sacrament of reconciliation. So, you know, we have the sacrament of reconciliation, which removes our stain of sin, as well as if we fail and we die and we have sin on our conscience, then we can go to purgatory. Does that mean we all will end up in purgatory? No. Does that mean we'll all end up in heaven? No. Does that mean we'll all end up in hell? No. All three are a possibility, but it's up to God. So this question here is a bit misleading because it is true, but it's also false. Yeah. And I guess if you're in a if you're a Protestant, then you you don't have all those options, I guess, like as we do. <laughs> Which is too bad because yeah. they really do have all those options, right? Yeah. You know, as uh, the only requirement to be a Christian, which is what we are, is to be baptized. All the rest is subsequent and important. Don't get me wrong. They're all important. But the first step of Christianity is to be baptized. And so as long as a person's baptized, Father, Son, Spirit— in water, not motor oil, or um, I baptize you, um, mother, daughter, and crackpot, or something. I don't know, but well, it has to be a yeah. very specific order. So, yep. Moving on, number thirteen. God counts a person as righteous not because of one's works, but only because of one's faith in Jesus Christ. If you're following along, you'll see that 28% strongly agree with that statement. 30% somewhat agree. 12% are not sure. 16% somewhat disagree. And 14% strongly disagree that God counts a person as righteous, not because of one's works, but only because of one's faith in Jesus Christ. Which is true. Um, That is true. Uh, the problem is, is they'll say, well, you know, you Catholics, all you do is works. Well, no. And, and we have to understand something. And this is where our Protestant brothers and sisters miss out a little bit on scripture, because in the letter of James, it says faith without works is dead. Now, let's unpack that a little bit very quickly. <clears throat> faith is the thing that saves us, our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith in his death upon the cross, our faith in his forgiveness of sins, our faith in his resurrection from the dead, our faith in his ascension into the heavens, uh, seated at the right hand of the Father, from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Okay, so there's a lot to there. That's where our salvation lies, in the creed that we profess on Sundays. But that doesn't mean that once and done, right? We have to exhibit our faith in daily life, and that's where works comes into play. Because faith, let, I will show you, uh, show me your faith, and it, you can't show me anything, but I'll show you my works, and there you see my faith. You know, uh, when we're recording this, um, it, it's uh, the feast of St. Martin of Tours. And what was it that St. Martin of Tours did? He was a military person, and he gave up his cloak to someone who was cold. And he ended up receiving, because of his good works, a blessing from the God and ended up receiving his cloak back. Um, so the point is, is that, you know, God, and we're going to hear about this in a few seconds with one of the questions they ask, but God blesses us with gifts at times. It doesn't have to be physical, but sometimes it's spiritual. But the point is, is that he's doing so off of those who show their faith in him. And it's not... It's not a faith that can just solely be inside of us or hidden. It has to be one that is shown to the world. Sounds good to me. All right, let's roll. 
Number 14, the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. Uh, 23% of Catholics strongly agree with that statement. 32% somewhat agree. 9% are not sure. 19% somewhat disagree. And 17% strongly disagree. This, so this, this is question an is a little confusing. One. Yeah, this one, this one's kind of confusing. But yeah, go go ahead, Father. Well, I, I, clicking on the true or false, it automatically says false. Okay, so um, we have to understand something. Scripture is a form of literature and literary work, and it's a collection. So, um, Bible is a collection of books, right? A Bible is a collection of books. It's not just one book that stands on its own. And in this collection of books, there are different forms of literary devices. You know, we have the Psalms. Um, My body pines for you like dry, weary land without water, so I gaze upon you in the sanctuary. You know, um, physically, is the body literally, literally, 100% literally um, going to be... Uh, pining for that you know it's 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 a literary device you know it's a um, aspect of the faith and so when we're talking about this whole thing about scripture it's not both uh, it's both literal and figurative in some areas it can't all be literal because um, you know there are three different stories of creation in the first story of creation God creates the world and everything in it in seven days in the second story of creation, God um, is physically down on earth with his creation, breathing his breath of life into humanity. In the third creation, it's in the Psalms, and it's a um, reflection of humanity and creation reflecting upon God in the heavens. So, you know, we have this issue here that um, is it 100% accurate all the time? No, but it's not meant to be. What is the purpose of Scripture? Scripture is a love story between God and his people. And so if we try to say that Scripture is completely literal, um, that's wrong. But we also cannot say that Scripture is completely a record of ancient myth because it's not just a record of ancient myth. Scripture goes much further than that. And it tells us the literal events of Jesus Christ and his disciples from four different uh, um, perspectives, but it tells us that story. So it's both and. There are literary devices used in certain parts of scripture, but there's also literal facts uh, available in scripture. This this question is very leading, and it, it's not one that you can answer correctly um, from in the eyes of Catholic because of the way it's worded. All right, moving on. The Bible is 100% accurate in all that it teaches. 24% strongly agree. 29% somewhat agree. 7% are not sure. 20% somewhat disagree. And 20% strongly disagree. So not quite a 50-50 split here, but it's pretty close. So, yes. Is the Bible 100% accurate? Yes. Yes, it is. It is accurate. Um, In the same way that I just explained a moment ago. Because... It's um, not meant to be taken as a science textbook, right? It's not meant to be taken as, as a mathematics textbook. 
but it is telling a story. And that story is, like I said before, the love story between God and his people. And it goes to show how far God is going to go to save his people. Alrighty then. Moving on, 16. Oh, I love this one. Modern science disproves the Bible. No, I, I've... Sorry, go on. Oh, well, hey, we have 11% strongly agree with that statement. We have 27% somewhat agree with that statement. 16% are not sure. 21% somewhat disagree and 25% strongly disagree. I think I'm in the camp with the 25% of the strongly disagree. Uh, the science, science is, God gave us science to explain the natural world. Uh, it, it just is, you can't explain, um, the supernatural. You can't explain, uh, you can't explain, it's hard to explain God, but you can at least see the beauty in his creation through science and the Catholic church will always support science. Yeah. I, I don't see, and like I said, I, as I rudely interrupted you as you went through the numbers, I, I don't, I don't know how people can say that, um, uh, it, that science is can be can disapprove the Bible. I don't I don't see it. Yeah, neither do I. And I, we've kind of discussed this in the past, and I have a feeling we're going to discuss it in the future at some point. So let's let's move on for now. Number seventeen, God will always reward true faith with material blessings in this life. Uh yeah. Uh so. 21% strongly agree, 26% somewhat agree, 9% not sure, 20% somewhat disagree, and 24% strongly disagree. Um, yeah, I uh, we, I have a lot of blessings in my life, but I know a lot of people who have um, way more faith than I, who uh, have hardly any material blessings. So I'm, yeah. I, I disagree with, with this statement. But I find it interesting that it's another 50-50 split mostly. Uh, yeah. The biggest thing to understand is, is that the reason why this question is absolutely 100% wrong is because it says God will always reward true faith with material blessings. Sometimes he does like with, um, uh, uh, my God, my brain just went blank. Um, Martin of Tours, he got his cloak back, but not always, you know, sometimes it's a spiritual blessing. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, some of the people who have some of the worst ailments, have the strongest faith and God allows bad things to happen um, in order for good things to come out of it. And uh, yeah, material blessings, just because you have money and a nice car doesn't mean that you're doing a better job than your neighbor who uh, just lost his job and doesn't can barely feed his family. So that's obviously, it's not a measure of how much God loves you and how good your faith is moving on. Number 18, hell is a real place where certain people will be punished forever. Uh, 32% strongly agree, 31% somewhat agree, uh, 13% not sure, 15% disagree, somewhat disagree, and 9% strongly disagree. Um, what are your thoughts there, Father? Hell is a real place. We know that. We know that is true. Um, punished is the question because, and I'm not going to say that like, it's going to be uh, sunshine and roses and everybody that goes to hell is going to have like ice cream and be happy. Um, no, no, no. Hell is a place where the absence of God is. And that is a, that is a punishment. It's, it's a torment. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's atonement and it's, but there's no salvation after that. You know, there's no salvation once you're in that uh, eternal atonement and um, punished me kind of leaves out a bit of the true, I don't know, the true understanding, I think, or maybe the true, um, 
true, complete understanding of it. Uh, but with that being said, it is a real place, and some people will end up there forever. All right, moving on. Number 19. There will be a time when Jesus Christ returns to judge all the people who have lived. 41% strongly agree. 30% somewhat agree. 13% are not sure. 10% somewhat disagree. And 6% strongly disagree. What's the church's teaching on this one? We believe that Jesus Christ shall return um, and he shall come forth from where he uh, is seated to judge the living and the dead and that um, his kingdom will have no end. And so, yes, Jesus Christ will return and he will judge all, both living and deceased, every person. All righty then. Number 20. Worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. Um, out of our respondents, 26% strongly agree with this statement. 38% somewhat agree with this statement. 8% are not sure. 18% somewhat disagree and 10% strongly disagree. Now, before we get into this, it sounds very concerning. Um, I don't know exactly when these questions went out. I just know 2020 sometimes. 2020 has been a weird time where um, at, at one point there were no Catholic churches in the United States having public mass and um, faithful Catholics had to worship at home. Um, so I'm not really sure if this swayed some of the answers at all. Um, it is concerning though, um, seeing that some people a majority of the people here who answered saying that uh, it's okay to not go to mass and instead just worship with family um, or alone. So yeah, your thoughts, father. It's not a valid replacement. It is valid insofar as um, the obligations currently suspended, but it is not a valid replacement yeah, because I, we should be moving towards uh, returning to full and active participation in the church, not at home. Because as much as you might be able to pray at home, there's still a difference when we gather together as a community in the uh, the heavenly kingdom, which is the church. Most certainly. And I'm going to... Um, just try to pretend in my mind that um, the people who answered this uh, were unable to worship uh, at church because mass uh, public masses were suspended. Let's just let's just pretend that that's the real answer. All right, agreed. Twenty one. Christians should be silent on the issues of politics. Um, let's just say uh, instead of me reading all these off, a majority of Catholics disagree with this statement, which is good. We, we really should not be silent on political issues. Uh, I know everyone's always like, especially United States, well, a separation of church and state. Um, well, it's one, that's not how the founding fathers set that up. Um, it was so that the, the government wouldn't tell you what you could worship, but, uh, we really, we should be, um, you know, we shouldn't be silent on anything, um, in our lives and politics is a big part of our lives. Uh, ask anyone in the United States who, um, had to listen to political ads for the last year. So yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot more to discuss there. Nope. 22. God chose the people he would save before he created the world. Heresy. This is a heresy. Yes. Um, now, so 
this is, let's see, are we close to 50? No, what? Okay, most of the people disagree with this. That's a good thing. 20% are unsure. That's probably the most unsure people we've seen so far. Um, yeah. But this is... With yeah. 14 agreeing. Yeah. But this is uh, something you see with some Protestant uh, communities believe in the elect of um, some people are destined for heaven, some people are destined for hell, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's where I think this kind of would fall in. But as, as Catholics, no, you can, you can lose your salvation or you can gain it through what you do in this life. Moving on. Number 23. <laughs> Churches must provide entertaining worship services if they want to be effective. Oh, boy. All right. Um, let's just say that we're split here. Uh, yeah. Almost 50-50 on agree and disagree with about 10% of people not being sure. What do you think? Uh, I mean, hey, five years ago, before I really came back to the faith, uh, I would uh, agree with this this statement of, hey, we it's got to be entertaining. We need light shows and rock music. And I, I want my latte while I'm listening to the, the pastor praise and worship. So <laughs> what, what, do, what do you say there, Father? It's not all about entertainment because if it was all about entertainment, there would be no salvation. This is correct. Um, you know, I mean, if you think about it this way, if all we're looking, the churches that solely are on the entertainment aspect are all about pleasure. It's hedonism. It's a new version of hedonism. And hedonism does not bring salvation. No, no, no. What does Christ say about those who are hedonistic? That their salvation is in their gut, that their salvation is on this earth. And so our salvation doesn't reside here on this earth. And so therefore there has to be some suffering. There has to be some um, aspect of earning our salvation in the fact of us putting in the effort, right? It's not all about just, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Now I'm going to go drink my caffeinated mocha chai frappe, um, which is actually something that I kind of like as a mocha frappe. But anyway, um, you know, it's it's about that sacrifice, that sacrifice that we have upon the cross. And so, no, it's not about entertainment. It can be entertaining, especially when the priest messes up. But <laughs> um, no, it's not about entertainment. It's about focusing on um, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And if you don't understand the Mass, it can be boring. And it was boring for me until I actually understood it, which surprisingly enough, either I didn't pay attention or had poor catechesis growing up. Um, I always thought mass was boring and it really wasn't until a couple years ago, whenever I came back and understood what the sacrifice of the mass is that it was no longer boring and it was amazing. And I want to be there all the time. Yeah. All right. And it, and it beats any rock show or cafe, mocha, latte, chai tea, whatever it is. So moving on 24. God is unconcerned with my day-to-day decisions. Stay out of my bedroom. So um, most Catholics disagree with this statement that God is unconcerned with my day-to-day decisions. Um, 11% and 18% are in the, in the agreement side of things. Um, yeah, God is concerned with your day-to-day yep. decisions. Uh, everything. It doesn't, it's not just whenever you enter into prayer that God cares about what you do. Um, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of discussion. I, it just kind of surprises me that there's really any variation of answers in this one. Um, I don't understand where some of these people are coming from. All right, 25. The Bible has the authority to tell us what we must do. Most people agree with this. 
Some are not sure, about 8%, and 23% somewhat disagree, and 18% strongly disagree. And I just got some weird deja vu, like we've done this before, but I don't know. Well, we did. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I was doing, I feel that way too, because I feel like we discussed this already. Um, other than the fact we did before this episode, Bible has the authority to tell us what we must do. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it does, because it is the spoken word of God written down in text for us to study. So yes, it does have the authority to tell us what but to do. But is it the only source of authority? No. Oh, okay. And that's where it's important to understand is that scripture is not the only source. It is scripture and tradition, scripture and tradition, because scripture is only a portion of it. And we've discussed this before, but scripture wasn't written down originally. It was passed on by word of mouth. And so um, if we say that the Bible is the only way that we know about God, well, that's not true. That's not true at all. So scripture and tradition. All right, moving on. This one's kind of silly. Learning about theology is for pastors and scholars only. Um, We'll just... We'll make this one quick. Uh, a vast majority of Catholics disagree with this statement. So, which is good. Which is good. Um, it's still weird that some people agree with that, but that statement. But hey, whatever. Uh, moving on. Twenty-seven. Sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin. All right, we're split here. We're split almost yeah. fifty-fifty. Uh, slightly more to the uh, agreeing that it is a sin, uh, but. Concerning enough that I think society, secular society, has um, really formed the minds of a lot of uh, faithful Catholics out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a set. It is a sin. Um, sex is reserved for marriage, and it's not the church trying to be mean or nasty. But we have to understand what sex is. It's not just the unitive act; it's also the procreative. So we have to take it for both aspects. It can't be one or the other. It has to be both. Has to be both all the time. Right. Um, and there's a lot more to that conversation, and we don't have the time to get into it today. But yes, yes, it is a sin. But that being that we're so divided on it, uh, almost equally divided, it's rather kind of disappointing because, you know, stay out of my bedroom, as you said earlier. Well, no, 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 no. It's not about staying out of the bedroom. It's about your salvation of your soul. And the church is more worried about the salvation of your soul than you can ever imagine. And so, just, yeah, real quick, we never want to take advantage or use somebody. And, Sex outside of marriage is using somebody. Um, same with contraception and all that other fun stuff, but uh, not fun stuff. You know what I mean? Um, the, the, if you thought this was concerning, uh, let's just go to this next one. This one's uh, even worse, in my opinion. 28, abortion is a sin. 36% of Catholics strongly agree that it is a sin. 21% somewhat agree that it is a sin. We have 9% are not sure. And then 16% somewhat disagree and 18% strongly disagree. And I just, I, 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 I have no words, obviously. We have to pray for those that, that strongly disagree um, because they, they want to see it out. Um, they, they see it only as a way of dealing with um, an unwanted situation that was made by accident. Well, if we would have gone back by um, one question and actually dealt with this in the first place of teaching about sex and what sex really is, then we wouldn't have to be worrying about abortion. But because we are hedonistic people that only want pleasure, then um, uh, uh, makes me irritated because we have to pray for those people that are in the 18 and 16 and even the 9% because we need people to understand 100% um, 
we need people to understand that it is a sin because it ends a life. And so abortion, yes, 100% is a sin. Right. And I mean, there's always the people that say, well, what about rape or deformities or whatever it may be? Um, we have to look at, you know, when, tell me when ever it is a good thing to solve an evil with another evil. Exactly. It doesn't work. It's double negative. It's not, it's not possible. You can't. So anyway, it's like dividing by zero by zero or whatever. What is that? Can't, can't divide, divide by zero. 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 Yeah. yeah. Creates a black hole. Yep. 29. Gender identity is a matter of choice. Um, we have most of the people, uh, well, we're now we're split. We're split almost 50, 50 here. We're split. See, this is where we really have a problem. Um, because it's not just a matter of choice. It's, it's a matter of mental illness and we need to call it for what it is and mental disorder and trying to understand like, okay, it's okay to say to someone, I hear you say that you do not feel right in your body, but we need to talk about this and figure out what the underlying cause is. Um, you know, when we are born, we are, for the most part, almost every person is born male or female. There are some rare exceptions where people are born neither or both. But the point is, is that that is so rare. That's not what we're talking about here. Um, if someone decides one day that they're a piece of pie, well, that's just weird because no, you can't be a piece of pie. And, and we just need to be very careful um, about that because it, it's a very touchy subject. But Gender identity is not just by choice. It's assigned to us at birth. And what we have to do then is understand, well, if I don't feel comfortable in my own body, why is that? All right, moving on. Number 30, the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we're kind of split here for the most part. Uh, actually, I would say a majority think that it does not apply today. Isn't that and weird? And that's also sad. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, I, now, I don't know to if I need everybody. to really explain like, that anymore. Right. Um, and I, we can talk about this again in the future. Uh, but you know, we, we love everybody. We don't, we don't hate, we don't hate anybody for being homosexual. We don't force them out of the church for having uh, same sex attraction. Uh, no, it's but, the opposite. But at the same time, we don't, we don't, we're not going to applaud you for um, doing homosexual acts. The same way, we're not going to applaud you for uh, a heterosexual couple for having sex before marriage or using right. contraception in marriage. Um, right. It, it it all comes down to to sin, and 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 that it is a sin. All right, moving on. Uh, the last couple here. So thirty one. Religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It's not about a object, excuse me, objective truth. We have a majority of Catholics agree with that statement that it is a ma matter of personal opinion. Oh, uh, if it's just opinion and all this doesn't matter, then why even, why even try? Why not just go to the fun church then? Um, you know what I mean? Like the, go get your, your mocha latte, chai tea, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Concerning. Moving on, 32. The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. All right. We talked about this uh, before the, the show started. 
this is another one where if you're a Catholic, we kind of already mentioned that a couple questions ago about uh, we have tradition and we have um, we have the scriptures. Uh, so this is this is kind of slightly misleading. Uh, do you want to talk about this at all, or do you want me to just move on? It just it goes back to the whole idea that um, the scripture is the sole source of our faith. When we already said no, it's not. It's scripture and tradition. Yeah. Thirty three. It is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, And we're almost split again 50-50 on agreeing and disagreeing. Some people would rather keep religion and politics to themselves, as we've been told our whole entire lives. Keep it to yourself. Don't bring it up in conversation. But what are we supposed to do, Father? Well, no, I think we should all be... um we should all be, uh, you know, professing our faith and it, and everything that we do, you know, I, my, my homily always is the same on this is that everything that we do, we should be proclaiming Jesus Christ first. And so, um, that's in every act that we do and every single thing that we do. Yes. All right. Two more to go. 34. Jesus's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. A majority of Catholics agree with that statement. What is the right answer, Father? Well, I mean, that that is in and of itself accurate. Yes. That is true. Most certainly. Um, There is no other salvation for our sins. It is through the death of Christ upon the cross and his forgiveness of our sins is upon the cross. So, yeah, that is accurate. All right. And our last question, at least I'm pretty sure it's the last question. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receives God's free gift of eternal salvation. And uh, I'll read off the numbers here. 28% strongly agree. 33% somewhat agree. 0% not sure. Wow, that's interesting. Do we have 0% here? Uh, 24% somewhat disagree and 15% strongly disagree. Well, and this is this is going to be um, very controversial. I know this is going to be controversial because, well, Father, are you telling me that the Jews are going to go to hell? Well, no, um, I didn't say that. But salvation is only through Jesus Christ, and we've always understood it that way. And so, the only way that there can be salvation is through Jesus Christ. Yeah, what we don't know is what happens at the end of somebody's life when they do die you know, what God's plan is for them, what happens in those last moments. We don't know these things and it's a mystery. And, and one day we may find out. Um, but yeah, and that was it. So, uh, I, I think the biggest takeaway from this is we have to have better catechesis for people in the church, starting yeah. from a very young age and continuing your whole entire life. Um, and I, I don't know, it's very hard to say like, Hey, this is the, this is the problem and this needs fixed this exact thing and everything is going to be fine. It's not going to be fine. This is a lot more complex. Uh, you know, is, should we be learning like we are learning in schools where we have to study and regurgitate things? I'm not exactly sure that's the best way, but for some people that is the best way. That's how people learn. Other people need to be just taken the church and shown other people find these things through prayer. Like there's in experiences, you know, or a well-rounded approach of all of it. Uh, and if we just make it a, I think just a classroom thing where kids are just regurgitating information, 
and they're not interested and you have uh, teachers in your CCD class or your Catholic school teachers that aren't fully informed on this because they had bad catechesis, it's just going to continue rolling down this until we're all, we all have secular views and, and no one believes anything that the, the church says. Yep. So I don't have an answer for this other than we need to, to work hard and we need to work as a community uh, to make sure that the truth is known. Um, but, but other than that, we, 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 we can't rely on all the priests to do it because one, there's not a whole lot of them. And two, every time a priest says something that is somewhat controversial, they get berated for it. Isn't that right, Father? No. More than anyone could ever know. But, but we, we all have that responsibility. So what can you do to help someone, to bring somebody back into the faith or to correct their misunderstandings of the faith? So that's our challenge yeah. for you this week. Um, now we're a little over an hour here. It's a little bit longer than, um, than we wanted to go, but, um, some very important things here. Again, if you wanted to check this out, go to the state of where you can mess around with all the different filters. Uh, you can go by gender, age, region, different types of affiliations. Again, we went over the Roman Catholic one and the, uh, the, the attendance, whether they attend weekly, rarely, never once a week, whatever it may be. So we're going to end this here. Um, you can follow along. Um, well, chances are, if you've already heard this, you don't want to listen to us again, so you can just go to the, the website. But uh, you can see us at EncounterMercy.com. Please subscribe to this podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts and uh, share it with somebody this week. I ask that everybody at least mentions it to somebody else, and, uh, and that's, that's how we get growth, and that's how we uh, reach other people. So with that being said... Um, I'm gonna think I'm gonna call it there. What about, uh, anything for you, Father? Before we end this, that uh, sounds good to me. All right. Well then, take care, everybody, and until next time. Uh, our one year's coming up here soon, so uh, stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, season two is going to be starting in a, just a couple of weeks here, so um, we look forward to uh, the future, and we hope that you do too. Bye. going bald. <laughs>